Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey everyone, it's the What Podcast. On Women's Hoops and Talks, we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. The What Podcast is part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network, and we're also part of Blazers Edge, which is the SB Nation site all about the Portland Trailblazers. Today, we have a great interview with Janelle Moore. She writes for Blue Man Hoops and Golden State of Mind, and for me, she brought a really great perspective about one of the greatest teams possibly that the NBA has ever known. And I really needed to hear her perspective about a team which has sort of gotten like, you know, giant status. But before we go on, I want to bring in my co-host, Kendall. Hey, Kendall, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Um, Wet. It is very wet here in Oregon right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My Not wet home. where I am. It's wet? not wet at all. It's not wet where I am. <laughs> oh, lucky you. Is it warm? Um, yeah, it's pretty warm. I mean, it's it's been the past couple of days. It's been in the 70s and 80s. Oh, so my gosh. It's up there. Yeah, right now I think it's in the 60s, but it's 7 o'clock right now, so <laughs> it's late. So you're now down in Southern California. I am. I'm in I'm in Burbank, so right outside of Los Angeles. And soon there will be a very big event coming down to Southern California. The All Star Game is going to be in Los Angeles this year. It is. I know. I'm so excited to like be here with it happening. I think that's going to be be really exciting. And speaking of the All Star Game, today is Thursday, which is the day that the All Star captains and starters are announced. So. Tara and I, why don't we go over kind of what we think the pitch should be, and then we can check out what the actual uh, roster is, and then we can try to compare and contrast our pits versus the actual voting. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm sure mine are completely off base. (laughs) I feel pretty good about mine. I've, I've been pretty close most years, so... I always vote with my heart, which is completely different from logic. So we'll see how it goes. Do you want to go first? Who are who are your picks? Let's start with uh, like, uh, let's start with the West. So for the West, I'm gonna go with um, for my backcourt. I'm gonna go with Steph Curry and James Harden. I think that Steph is definitely gonna um, get the captain spot. I don't think anyone really uh, can argue with that. Um, and then as far as front court goes, I'm going to go with Tevin Durant and Anthony Davis right off the bat. 
right off the bat, which I think those four right there are kind of locked in. I think most people, it's pretty much guaranteed those four are going to be there. So that fifth spot, I think, is kind of up in the air. And I'm going to go with LaMarcus Aldridge for that. Um, yeah, so not a Portland popular opinion, but um, I think that what with what he's been doing this season, keeping the Spurs as one of the top Western Conference teams with Kawhi, who's their best player, and having him not be there and having LaMarcus be able to kind of still keep that team going, I think that that speaks a lot on him. And I think he's been playing a lot more like he used to play in Portland and which he hasn't been doing the past couple of seasons. So I definitely think he deserves to get that fifth and final starting spot. Yeah. I absolutely c- cannot argue with any of them. Although mine are quite different <laughs> because <laughs> mine was purely emotional. You'll be happier with my East selections, I think because they were much more logical, <laughs> but I was like, you know what? This is my conference. I'm going to just go with my heart on this one. So the first person that I chose for a guard was Damian Lillard. Now, obviously that's a sentimental pick. It's hard because there are just so many guards that are so good in the West but um, I just – I can't not vote for him. That having been said, he's been playing injured, and it totally would worry me if he would be playing in the All-Star game. I would actually rather have him rest. <laughs> but I love him, and I want him to have my vote. The other guard is Harden, so we're alike on there. And um, we're also the same with the front court. I went with Anthony Davis. But then here's where it goes all wackadoodle um, because I voted for Carl Anthony Towns. You know, I'm really mixed. I have I have mixed feelings about him this year because sometimes I think he should be doing more. And I'm like, is is this? But then sometimes but then when you look at sort of the whole picture of how much Minnesota has come forward and I know Jimmy Butler is a large part of that, but. Carl Anthony Towns, I think right now is still kind of the heart of that team. And I just wanted him to have it, uh, have, have my vote on that one. And then the final spot, (laughs) this is really silly. Uh, but Steven Adams, I could, I just want to, I just, I can't get enough (laughs) watching Steven Adams and I would just love the chance to watch him in the all-star game just because I enjoy watching him so much. He just, his attitude and his, his, you know, his body posture and everything about watching him play, I think, is just so entertaining. And I would just love to see him play in the All-Star game. So Dame Harden, Cat, mm. AD, and Steven Adams are my totally emotional choices for the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Who, who do you have for the East? The East. Um, so my backcourt for the East, I'm going to go with Kyrie Irving and DeMar DeRozan. Um, I think that's kind of set I don't think anyone again I don't think anyone really um is gonna argue that a whole lot um and then front court wise obviously LeBron and Giannis and then that fifth spot again that's kind of the same as the Western Conference it's that fifth spot that's kind of up in the air um I'm gonna go with Al Horford which um I think that people I think he's very underrated I think not underrated I think people don't give him, I, mean, I just underrated. I just, I, I don't think people give him the credit he deserves. When people talk about the Celtics, they talk about Kyrie. They don't talk about Al at all. And um, when you actually watch the Celtics play, you realize how much he's doing. Like he's doing so much for that team, and he's just kind of 
forgotten about because of Kyrie and he's not a big like he's not in the media all the time he's not as Um, but I definitely think he deserves that starting spot and if he doesn't get the starting spot I definitely think he will be an all-star this year okay awesome so for my east picks we're actually quite close on these and the way I uh, went about selecting my eastern conference players is I just went straight up for the numbers and I went to basketball reference and I called all the front court or I called first I called up guards and then I called up absolutely everybody else and I just looked at win shares and then I decided to throw out Kyrie because I'm not a huge fan of Kyrie and I'd rather have Victor Oladipo so (laughs) otherwise we're (laughs) the same I went with your guy DeMar DeRozan um, and instead of Kyrie I picked out Oladipo now, DeMar DeRozan has the highest win shares and at 6.3, and he's followed by Kyrie at 6, and then right after that is Oladipo. And Oladipo scores slightly more points per game than Kyrie, and he has a higher PER than Kyrie. So I thought that was enough to maybe just like give him the edge to like justify me putting him in instead of Kyrie. Because I really, I'm just, I'm absolutely loving how well Oladipo's doing and how initially that Paul trade looked like it was so one sided, but it turns out these guys are really fitting in beautifully in Indiana. So mm-hmm. I wanted to give him a little extra props for you know, coming in with all that baggage and doing so well with it. And then mm-hmm. I was the same with the, um, with the front court, uh, you know, Giannis and LeBron, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, I, Al Horford has just been like kind of quietly excellent all year. You know what I mean? He just yeah. uh, does what he needs to do with a team that is very flexible, has a lot of options. He just manages to, make his way and hold it all down. And I appreciate that about him. So I I was uh, happy to put him in the mix as well. So, but, but I know that, so I haven't seen the list and I know it just came out. So do you have it and you want to, should we compare how we did? I do. Yeah. Let me pull it up real fast. Okay. So let's do the East okay. first. Since we were just talking about that. Um, so the bat, so the captain is obviously LeBron uh-huh. James. Oh, he did. Okay, um, good. no surprise. Because for yeah, like the first, no the, right at the beginning, Giannis was leading with the international votes. I think. <laughs> yeah, but all is right with um, the world. LeBron will be captain. Yeah, um, and then the backcourt is going to be Kyrie and Demar Derozan. Okay. Got that, and then uh, we have Giannis, and then Joel Embiid <gasps> really? took that fifth spot. Yeah, he snuck in there. He got that fifth starting spot. Wow. I wonder if that was based on co- – I wonder on the strength of which voting block. Yeah. So let me let me pull that up. I actually just had that. Um, okay, here we go. Um, so it says – like what the player rank or what the like rank uh-huh. was. Um, so for the Eastern Conference, um, the if it were up to the fans, Joel Embiid mm-hmm. got it. If it was up to the players, it would be Kristaps Porzingis. Really? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and if it were, and if it were up to the media, it looks like it would also be. Oh, it looks like it would be Joel Embiid. For media as well, if I'm reading this correct. 
some of these are tied. So that's so <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I like here, stayed so. off of Twitter all afternoon because I yeah. didn't want to know what the results were because like it's impossible to not see that kind of stuff. So now I can't wait to like yeah. listen to all the pettiness about, uh, yeah. you know, so who should or shouldn't have votes and who's allowed to vote, who's not allowed to vote. And, you know, they always have like the like a, a, a people who get like a couple of random votes, you know, for like the players mm-hmm. nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. Um, it also says so as far as the guards go. So in the East, um, for fan, player, and media, the top two were exactly the same. Kyrie got first among all three of those categories, and DeMar got okay. second. So, and then the third was Victor Oladipo for player and media, but fans voted him mm. third, or him fourth, and then third um, for fan, rate, fan voting was Ben Simmons. Oh. Hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah. Well, how'd we do in the West? West. Okay. Um, so the captain is Steph Curry. Okay. And then we have the other guard is James okay. Harden. And then the front court is Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis. And that fifth spot is DeMarcus Cousins. <gasps> really? I considered Boogie. I actually I was going between Boogie and Steven Adams for just pure entertainment value. Do you think that's what everybody yeah. did? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. He. Let's see. So looking at Right. So among fans, um, Draymond Green should have been in there if it were up to fans. The top three, if it were, I'll just I'll do it this way: top three for fan okay. player media. So the top three for fans were Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Anthony Davis. Then among players, it was Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Demarcus Cousins. And then media was Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Lamarcus Aldridge. Wow. That is that is really interesting. That's a lot of variation. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, and then guards was kind of interesting. Uh, this is where it's it real interesting. With I feel like the West for guards is always so different among player and media than fans. That's always the biggest difference. So if it were up to fans, it would be Steph Curry and uh, Ginobili. Oh, <laughs> good yeah. old so those man, the top Manu. Two. Yeah, so I'll actually do the top four because I find that kind of interesting. It would be, among fans, it would be, so it's Steph Curry, Ginobili, James Harden, then Russell Westbrook. If it were up to the media, it would be James Harden, then Steph Curry, then Russell Westbrook, then Jimmy Butler. And if we're up to players, it would be Steph Curry, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard. Oh, I'm so glad Damian at least got in there with somebody. (laughs) Yeah, so... So as of right now, because they base it off of the overall like weighted mm-hmm. rank right now, uh, Dame is one, two, three, four. He's seventh in the mm-hmm. West. So it goes Steph Curry, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, uh, Manu Ginobili, <laughs> Clay Thompson, Chris Paul, then Lillard. Then Butler, Devin Booker, and Lonzo Ball. I am so glad he finished above Lonzo Ball. That was like a ridiculous, that was a ridiculous moment in time where Lonzo Ball was was meeting out Damian Lillard. Well, that's awesome. How fun. What's interesting is among media, Lonzo Ball and Damian Lillard (gasps) tied. Among fans, Lonzo got higher. And among players, Dame got way higher. Among players, so among media, they both got seventh. Among fans, Lonzo got sixth, 
Damien got eight, and among players, um, Damien got fourth, and Lonzo got thirteenth. <gasps> well, so that that says a lot. Yes, it does. I'm going to be like clearing out all of my media podcasts and be listening to players only and road tripping yeah. <laughs> from now on. <laughs> Oh, well, the media is going to is going to be talking about this nonstop, I'm sure, for the next 48 hours. So we should probably move on to a different topic. We uh, talked about to Janelle and I brought it up briefly that uh, she brought a really interesting perspective because, you know, as Blazer fans, it feels like every playoff just ends with us getting just like chewed up and spit out by the team from the Bay Area, so much so that I can even just barely even get myself to say their name. <laughs> and so it was really interesting to hear from someone who clearly, you know, loved loves the team and just, like, has kind of a history of having followed them for a while and had a lot to say. So we talked to Janelle about the different outlets that she writes for covering the Warriors, and she talks about where you can find that writing. We also talked to her about how the Warriors have developed over the past few years and how their stars like Steph and Draymond, who've been there from the beginning, have kind of started from the bottom and helped build that team up to where they are today. So let's go ahead and bring in Janelle. Welcome to the podcast, Janelle, and thank you so much for joining us today. So first, can you tell us a little bit about what you do while covering the Warriors? All right. I write for two fan sites uh, for the Warriors. Uh, one is Golden State of Mind, and that's, you know, the SB Nation uh, group of fan sites. And I also write for Blue Man Hoop. And for Blue Man Hoop, I host this weekly column called Town's Finest. Now, for Golden State of Mind, I... I basically get in where I fit in, you know, I could do like analysis or warrior wonder or is there a particular, Hmm. Oh, I was just going to ask if there's a particular type of story or particularly types of coverages that you like to, that you like to write. Well, I like my town's finest pretty good because it's a, a summary of all of the games of the week. And, you know, I have a, a little bit of creative fun with it, especially with the open, the first few opening uh, paragraphs of it. But I would really like to delve deeper into analysis. I want to see how much I really know in this game and how much uh, I need to learn. You know, my knowledge is okay, you know, is solid, but I can always improve. And that's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So how did you first get started writing about basketball? Well, it it happened organically because I used to play basketball and, and watched it ever since I was a kid. And, you know, my major at North Carolina A&T was journalism. And when I was working for the campus newspaper, I was writing, you know, about sports anyway. I've, I've covered a couple of girls basketball games while I was down there and a volleyball game here and a football game there. But, you know, since I've played basketball, I, I gravitated towards that and wanted to write about basketball. Mm. You know? So... Uh, the Warriors are kind of one of those teams that people either love or hate. And especially recently, there's a lot of people around the league who are not fans of the Warriors. So what do you think that people don't understand about them or don't really appreciate them as a team? I'll start with uh, understand. What people don't understand about the war- the Warriors is that 
to get where they are now, it was a process. Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they were all drafted by the team. Draymond was drafted in the second round and it was a backup to David Lee. And, you know, all of these, all three of these guys had to work to get where they are. It, it ain't no super team. They, they just work and work to get to the level that they, that they're at presently. What made them a super team is when KD joined. And even with that, Golden State um, and KD rumors had, was going on ever since like 2014, 2013. So it, it didn't just happen July the 4th. I mean, it, it happened, you know, way before that. The recruiting process was way before that and way before game seven of the finals. They, they've been trying to, you know, more KD to, to the Warriors for a while. I, I have a question, Janelle, about that. Was was it always KD that they talked about coming, or before he actually ended up coming, were there other players that were, like, strong, you know, that were really in the, uh, in the discussion for people that Golden State might go out and get, or has it, was it always just they needed KD? It wasn't just KD that they were after. There was um, DeAndre Jordan, no, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, you know, but you know who was going to turn down the second? I mean, the one of the most pro- prolific scores in the game today. If he if he want to come if if he want to come to the team, let him. And the thing with KD is that he really wanted people that he could hoop with. He said so in um, Rolling Stone magazine. He felt that. You know, the way that Golden State's offense is set up, it was the best decision for him. And so far, he's right, you know. And what people don't understand about KD is that, you know, he really he really do not care about the leader and who's the alpha and, and all of that. He is a guy that just want to play ball, basketball, period, mm-hmm. and not be being bothered with a bunch of politics and mess. Why do you think that? He don't want to be the all-star captain because he don't want to be bothered with it. He just wants to play ball. Oh, that is so interesting. Is that a, a, I hadn't really thought about him not wanting to have to go through the picking process. Is that something that people are talking about? Yeah, they was talking about it last week. Steph, Steph wants to be the captain. Huh, I wonder if they can set up some kind of proxy yeah. <laughs> system. I don't know, but Steph wants to be the captain. And I I have a theory as to why. I think, you know, despite his MVPs and despite his championships, deep down, Steph feels like he has something to prove to his peers. And what's going to be interesting is if he he ends up being a captain after tonight, who is he going to pick? Will he be petty and pick the uh, players that he knows resent him just to be petty? Or will he... He picked um, KD and um, any warrior available. That's interesting to um, to find out. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be interesting no matter who the captain is. I think just seeing that process is, well, we won't see that process. We'll just see the end results. But I think that will still be kind of an interesting thing to look at. Um, well, anyway, um, so the obviously the Warriors are – the top the reigning champions in the league they're one of the top teams how do teams come in and beat this like how do they beat a team that's so dominant like that 
See, the thing about the Warriors is that they play up and play down to the competition. That's why you see the Charlotte Hornets of the league, the, um, the Clippers of the league, you know, the Kings, you know, beat them because the Warriors tend to play down to the competition and they tend to get sloppy. Has that always been the case or is that something new this year? It's kind of always been the case, but you know, their biggest quarter is the third quarter and they tend to make the adjustments after the half and end up blowing the teams out. Um, so but do you, you is that team, you had to, you had to keep on them. You had to keep that defensive pressure on them and force them into the turnovers and also win the 50, 50 balls. That's what the Clippers did. I was disgusted last week, you know, seeing the, the Clippers and the, and Austin Rivers and Patrick Beverly and, you know, a lot of starters were missing. The Warriors were out hustled by those Clippers. Yeah, you, you got to give the Clippers some respect for what they've put together the last few weeks. It's kind of like, who are, I mean, who are any of the people who are playing for the Clippers right now? It's kind of amazing, mm-hmm. I think. It's a makeshift lineup. I don't know what's wrong with Rivers, and I don't know what's wrong with Patrick Beverly, per se, but... You know, a lot of their starters are missing. Mm-hmm. Well, Patrick Beverly's out for the season, and then Austin Rivers is hopefully only out like another week or so, I think. So, um, there, it's been an interesting couple of years for coaches in the league. You know, last year was a season where no coaches were fired, and then this year we've already had, there's already been two firings in the league. And it got us to thinking, um, remembering one. What was it like when Mark Jackson was fired and then when Steve Kerr took over? What do you recall from that that period of time? I recall how the players reacted. You know, Mark had the trust of most of the players um, in that locker room, specifically Steph. And and Steph kind of fought for, for Mark to keep his job. And the fans, you know, I don't remember that much about, you know, how the fans reacted. But what I do know is that, you know, Mark, he he meant well, and he he was responsible for for the formation of the Warriors, you know. But he was too ISO heavy, and that was some of the issues that some fans had with him. It was his philosophies and his um, religious beliefs. You know, he he's a minister. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And when Steph had those ankle troubles, it was um, at a church service. He anointed Steph's ankles. With really? Oil. I did not know that. Yeah. There, there's this book called uh, Golden, The Miraculous Rise of Stephen Curry. It's by Marcus Thompson. He works for The Athletic. It's a good book. Mm-hmm. That What I just told you, that's in there. Okay. Check it out. It's, it's very good. So, so it sounds like you're saying that Mark Jackson did a lot of like kind of the fundamental player development for when those guys first came in. Yeah. You know what? What was it like when you know when Steph Curry first came in? Do, what do you remember about like you know or or even um, you know Draymond or Clay? Like, what were some of the things that they really had to work on and, and improve before people really believed that they were the real deal? Draymond had to work on losing some weight. <laughs> and he, he just kept, I mean, he, he did. He he was drafted. He was, was kind of heavy. 
when he was drafted in the second round. But Draymond just continued to work. And, you know, he was ready. You know, okay. he, he, he kept himself ready. You know, um, he worked on his basketball IQ. And uh, when he replaced David Lee in the lineup, it, it was almost seamless. And after he replaced David Lee in the lineup, he just began to just grow, specifically on the defensive end. He knew that he wasn't going to be a contributor to offense consistently, but he found a niche with defense. And that's why he is where he is, because he knows his lane and he stays in it for the most part, And but he want to continue to, to grow. And that's how he evolved into the reigning defensive player of the year. With Steph, he just had to, I guess, continue to get stronger, especially coming off of the injuries he came off of. And he just continued to work out with this uh, trainer in Charlotte, um, Accelerate, and he's been working out with, with that group ever since uh, 2013 or 14. His, his trainer, Brandon Payne, uh, works out in the bay with him as well. Now, did, did Steph Curry always show like when when you saw him come to golden state did you you know see the potential right away i saw the potential in davison when he put he hung up 44 against north carolina state and lebron was in attendance and when he went to golden state there was some potential there he he was runner up to tyreek evans for rookie of the year i mean the potential was there but you know him and Monte Ellis, you know, kind of clashed or whatever. And plus, uh, there was an injury riddled year that really robbed Steph of, of maybe a good season and a half before, you know, coming into his prime. But, I mean, it was always there. But mm -hmm. the thing with Steph, a lot of people just see what he's doing now and saying that, well, he ain't really been good until now. But that's not so. This is the same guy who took to took the Spurs to like six games in 2013 with Jarrett Jack, you know, and, you know, Draymond at the time was uh, coming off the bench. Clay wasn't an all-star yet. You know, the potential was there. But it was just a matter of him just to keep working and working until he could have a healthy season and, and to, you know, really break through. And what about Clay? How how has he changed? He hasn't he hasn't really changed much per <laughs> se. Uh, but one underrated thing about Clay is his defense, and that defense was was sorely lacking last week against the Clippers. That's what people don't really notice about Clay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you touched on this a little bit about how. Uh, Katie isn't a big fan of being, or he like he didn't he doesn't want to be the captain of the All Star team. He doesn't want to be maybe in that leadership position. Um, but a lot of people think he's kind of come into the Warriors and almost made it his team uh, rather than Steph's. How? What do you kind cool. of feel on that? Do you think it's definitely Steph's team still? That's, that's still Steph's team because see what fans like to do. They like to. They don't. A lot of fans really don't care that much for Steph anyway. And they don't really, they're not really here for KD, but they, they trying to t pit 
those two against each other, and that's not so. Steph makes the team go, and that's the bottom line. And you you could see it in, in their offensive numbers. Even though they're winning, their offense was stagnant, no floor spacing, no gravitational pull, not none of that. Steph makes it possible. Oh, and man. KD will, will, will tell you that right now. And it's a shame that KD had to tell reporters and fans to respect Steph after the finals. Steph nearly averaged a triple-double in the finals last year, but that was overlooked because of um, KD's numbers. But how did KD's numbers get that way? Because Cleveland was so afraid of Steph going off behind the arc, they would rather give up dunks to KD. Mm -hmm. So do you think that Steph really is that disrespect? I mean, he's the top um, vote ditter for the All-Star game right now. So... Do you think he really is that disrespected in the league, or among his what? peers, among the peers and fans that don't know any better? And there's a lot of them on Twitter. And and, mm. and to be quite honest, they get on my nerves. And I, I don't. I try to stay in my own lane and not try to get into arguments. But you could see it right. You could see. Their offense is like night and day with Steph out of the lineup. Steph is a big part of what they do. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, KD, I, I have my thoughts is that they do, they are dominant players, but they dominate in different ways. They're both dominant, but it's it's different ways that they dominate. And I think KD's dominance is more is more acceptable in some fan site versus Steph's because they, they still think Steph is just a shooter and that's not true. He has worked on his inside game. He's he's shooting over 60% in the paint, mid-range, but people see what they want to see. I want to go back to one thing that you said about Twitter because I think it's it's really interesting. You know, because everybody has an opinion and everybody has a take on the Golden State Warriors. How do you think that Twitter is or or has Twitter enhanced your appreciation and enjoyment of basketball uh, or and are there ways that it takes away from that? It hasn't enhanced a thing. (laughs) But it hasn't really diminished my appreciation of basketball because I've, I've grown to look, I mean, the game is in me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, ever since I was four, three years old, my grand, my grandma on my dad's side bought me my first basketball. Your grandmother did? Yes. So it passed down through the women? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of sort of my aunt, my aunt played both of my aunts on my dad's side played basketball. My dad played basketball. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about how, you know, how you became a fan of basketball and, you know, how you played basketball as a kid. And, and in my neighborhood, there was, there was like only three girls on, on the block. I was one out of three, and I just gravitated towards playing basketball and playing football. What was your, what position did you play? Did you have a preferred? I played forward, and I had no business, I mean... I played the four, and I had no business playing the four when I was in um, in high school. 
My natural, Why is that? My natural position is a two. Okay. Because you I was not tall enough to the bang, you know, in the paint uh, with those taller girls. But you can't. Some coach, you can't tell coaches anything. Some of them. Did you ever have any coaches that really inspired or motivated you? Nah. <laughs> no, you just were out there playing the game, having I, a. I was, playing, I was playing the game I love. I did. I didn't need any motivation or or inspiration by my coaches. I mean, I respected my coaches, but I loved the game. It was already internally. It was already there. Right. I, I yeah. did. I didn't need. I didn't need any extra motivation to get me up to play. So you've been watching the game since you were really, really young. What are some of the things that you've seen change about the game that either you like really liked or didn't like? I really liked when I was really growing up, when I was really young, I had a birthday last week. Oh, happy birthday. I'm I'm in my thirties and you know, I remember watching the evolution of the Bulls with Michael Jordan, you know, mm-hmm. Showtime Lakers, um, Barkley when he was with the 76ers, Dominique Wilkins, you know, all of those guys. And the game was more physical then. You know, you, you had mm-hmm. hand checks. I mean, they really went after each other. And then it got a little bit too glossy, a little bit too sanitizing. Um when I hit college, I actually kind of got bored of watching the game. And, you know, my studies was my biggest priority and my distraction. And you studied journalism and you said you always wanted to cover sports. Is that correct? I thought about it, but, you know, my mom kept telling me over and over and over again that I should cover sports because I, I seem to get into it. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I have knowledge I have knowledge and input, and I, I can put my knowledge and my input up against anybody that's even on the air today. I don't have that opportunity, and it's a shame because, you know, there are some people that have that, that shouldn't even be on the air. I'm talking like people like Colin Coward. I believe he even said that, you know, he don't even watch games. He just piggybacked off of other people's opinion. If that's true, why are you on the air? Why, how did you really get your job? What would be your dream job? What would be my dream job? Yeah. I got two of them. I would like to, to be a producer of a sports show because producers are the gatekeepers and they are influ- and they're are of influence. But I would also like to um, report because, again, I think... I think I could do a good a good job. I could even I even say I could do a better job than some of these people out here now. So who are some of the people that you really do like out there right now? I like Ross Golden Woody. Okay. I like uh, I like Karis Burke, and um, and I like uh, I like most of the women reporters, and I and I'm gonna tell you why. Because they work hard to get that story and they are about as fair and balanced as the men or even fairer, you know, even more fair and, ba- and 
balance. They they are not for a bunch of hot takes and, and all of that stuff. And I think it's ridiculous. And, uh, and the way that some of these male reporters go on and on about people like Brady, you know, in football and, you know, LeBron James in, in basketball, I say, you know what? They are like groupies with a pen and a microphone. They, you know, that's exactly what they um, project themselves to be, especially Nick Wright. You wrote a piece about you wrote a piece about um, uh, LeBron earlier this year, as I recall. You want to tell talk a little bit about that, and I can we can um, link to those in in the show notes here for people to read and enjoy. My piece about LeBron was for Bleacher Report, and that was to compare and contrast the hype that Lonzo Ball is getting to, you know, LeBron's rookie debut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though uh, Lonzo has his hype, you know, LeBron's hype was was by far more, more than um, uh, Lonzo's. And... LeBron has lived up to the hype, whether you like him or not. And he still has continued to, to live up to his hype to, to this day. Even though I'm a Warriors fan, I do appreciate and respect what LeBron has um, contributed to the game of basketball. Appreciate that. But there are some Warrior fans that just really, just really go in on LeBron, and that's not really fair either. Other than uh, LeBron, who are some other non-Warriors that you uh, appreciate watching? I appreciate watching Damian Lillard. Hey, I know him. I mean, I don't know him, but <laughs> we're Blazer fans. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate watching Damian. He he is so underrated and underappreciated, and he he continues to fight. He continues to be competitive, and I admire that about him. You know, he's from Oakland, and I think that's that's part of. I mean, that's that's his mentality, you know. And he he carries that that mentality on the court. And I like CJ. Uh, CJ, I have a soft spot for CJ because, you know, he's in the media. He's in you know journalism, and I like his takes. And I really like the idea of him um, rating the national media. <laughs> I think I think I think he should have a parody. I think you know, does basketball players should. I mean, whoever he could dig up should film a parody, you know, them being analysts, analyzing the reporters, you know, really criticizing their work, like the reporters criticize the players. I think that would be a good skit. I can totally picture that. That would be really funny. <laughs> that would be hilarious. And and the players could mock the national reporters. Now, my affinity is with the regional reporters because you know they're not hot takey and you know they, they really are locked in on the team and the broadcast team that I like besides NBC Sports Bay Area is Fox Sports Southeast. Eric Collins, Stephanie Reddy, and Dale Curry are remarkable on the air and, and they call it like they see it either for the Hornets or against it and you know they're, they're not on that hot tape mess. And a lot of regional sports aren't. And I, I just commend all of them. 
I'll have to check one out. Their broadcast out because this week uh, league pass is free, so I I will tune in. They do the horn. They cover the Hornets, correct? Yes, they do. They play the Wizards tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, I think. Perfect. We'll have to check them out. Uh, Kendall, do you have any last questions that uh, for us to end up with? No. Sorry, my my page is kind of like freaking out on me a little bit, so I can't see the <laughs> I can't see the list of questions. So if I'm missing uh, something. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Yeah. This is that that has been the hallmark of this particular episode, hasn't it, yeah. ladies? <laughs> we are powering through. We're going to get this done. Well, um, Janelle, one thing that we usually end up with when we do these interviews is we ask you about who's a woman who you admire in basketball and why. Yeah, covering basketball or. It can be in any format. It could be your grandma who gave you your first hoop, or it could be, um, you know, one of the women you've already mentioned who covers just, you know, because part of what we want to do with the podcast is expose, um, you know, give voice to other women who are doing stuff and expose our listeners to other women out there doing awesome stuff. I admire Roz and her progression in covering sports Mm -hmm. and how thorough she is. And also um, Sharon Brown, uh, she covers the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm. And, you know, the way that she works, I mean, she works and she hustles. And I, I I just admire that, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of work. I mean, it's gotta be because but it's such an interesting point in time, how everything is changing and, and the job of covering sports has changed so much I would I would hazard to guess over the last and year. it has changed it has changed a lot and you know I admire the athletic I think they got it figured out you know because there are some people like me that that is not feeling a bunch of ads and a, you know a lot of hot takes and hyperbole um, and willing to subscribe for it and that way that cuts out ads and, you know, stuff. And when they come to the Carolinas, um, I'm going to be on their helmets and say, hey, I can give me a shot. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, I, I hope you get that shot. We will hope that the athletic comes soon. And we look forward to seeing your name um, as a byline. Keep in, keep in touch and let us know when that happens. Because, you know, your writing's really nice. You do, you tell great stories. I really Shit. have enjoyed the, the town's finest column. And we'll link to that, too, for people who want to check out some of your other writing. But, uh, yeah, Janelle, you know, thank you so much for joining us. We really have spent uh, several days trying to make the technology work for some reason this has been just a really tough one to record but you've been so accommodating and so gracious as we try to make it all work i just really really appreciate your time i understand you know things happen and you know it it is what it is and you know i've (laughs) had the time and i just appreciate you thinking that much of me to to be a guest on your your show you know I, i i really appreciate that and i am humbled we are very glad to have you. Oh, and before we sign off, why don't you tell people how, uh, again, where they can find your work and what your social media handle is if they want to follow you. Okay. Uh, you can could, you could find my work at Blue Man Who and Golden State of Mind. My town's finest column usually runs every Sunday, but right now I'm a little bit behind. That's about the second time it happened. And my, my Twitter handle is janelle 12 and that's about all. 
Oh, my well, Instagram is writer diva. So there you go. Ooh, how do you spell that? W R I T E R D I V A. Writer diva. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Janelle. Thank you. So that's going to do it for us today. If you like what you heard, you can find more episodes of the What Podcast in the Blazer's Edge podcast feed. Head over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Blazer's Edge. You'll get all the weekly Blazer Edge podcasts, plus every other week we'll bring you another episode of Women's Hoops and Talks, and you'll get to know even more women who are doing awesome things in basketball. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. I'm at Kendall Bennett 16 and Tara is at TCB Bids. 